Well, good morning. Good to see everybody today. Glad you're here. Welcome to Centerpoint. Hey, if you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and you're our guest. I'm so glad you came today. This is the third week in a series called Shape It. And in this series, what we're doing is we're recognizing together the value of our own lives. And that it is a, a gift, you know, the life that we've been given, and that it's something that uh, we ought to shape on purpose, and that's what we're discovering some ways to do from the heart of God. So I'm eager to do uh, part three today. Uh, but you know, on the, on the way in today, a, a brother greeted me by saying, hey, happy new year, and I was grateful to hear it, because it's still January, it's still the new year, and um, I was thinking about this. We have uh, new Year's traditions in my family, and I, we have a New Year's tradition in my family that is one that I didn't personally grow up with, and it's because it's a, a New Year's tradition that came from my wife's side of the family, the Korean side of the family, obviously, and uh, so it, the, the tradition is on New Year's Day, we've had this tradition as long as I've been married, that on New Year's Day, we go over to our in-law's house, my in-law's house, and we have some uh, tak soup, it's uh, this rice soup, and, and um, and then we have this moment called Pebek, and Pebek is where, where uh, the kids, we all, we all kneel down and bow down before our elders, before the parents, and we say to them, we, get, we utter this phrase that it means something like, I'm not even exactly sure, but I think it means something like, you know, uh, honor and blessings for the new year, that kind of thing. And so we bow down like this. And then they give us money. And that's the tradition. <laughs> I like the second half. It works out well, right? So for years now, we've been doing this little tradition on New Year's Day, going over to my in-laws and doing uh, Pebex. It's been great. Uh, but this year we had a problem because a few months ago, Anne's parents moved back to Virginia. And they've been out here for, for forever uh, near us, but now they, they're gone. And so we're wondering, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to you know, have our New Year's tradition? And Anne and I decided, that's it. It's our turn. It's time for them to do some bowing down to us, right? <laughs> so so we, uh, we had our kids, you know, they've done this for a long time, so they know the drill. We're like, listen, it's your turn. Go ahead. And, uh, and, and Anne said, well, hey, babe, wait. You got to get some cash. I'm like, get some cash? What? No, no, no. We pay the mortgage for their bedrooms. We put the clothes on their back. We put the food in their mouths. No, 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 no. They can bow down and say, thank you. That's what they can do, you know? <laughs> so, but she's like, babe, that is not how it works. Get the money. <laughs> so anyway, they did it. We gave them the money. You know, it's all good. But uh, this, this tradition, you know what I love about it is that it puts together the idea of honor with the idea of money. And I think it's important because at the very core, honor is about a recognition of value. And then to interact with something based on that recognition of value. And so that moment that I just described to you, on one hand it's just a tradition, but on the other hand it really does put together the idea of honor with the idea of money. And throughout the scriptures what you find is that God brings us wisdom from his word, from his heart, about money, but marries it together with a sense of honor, that fundamental recognition of value. And so today, in this third part of the Shape It series, I want to bring a message to you about money, because if we're talking about shaping our lives on purpose, you can't ignore one of the things that for a lot of us is like a chisel, you know? It shapes a lot of what we're doing and how we're able to do it and what we're hoping to do. And so I want to bring a message about money because it's something that it matters to us. 
As much as we might want to think, hey, church and spirituality, that's over on this side. And then everything else, my money, that's over here. God looks at us much differently and God looks at us as integrated people. Beings who are not separated out like that, but who are integrated. And it includes what happens with money. And there's a lot in the Bible about money. There's more than 2,000 verses that talk about money or use money as an object lesson. And and I want us to just uh, take some of the wisdom from God's heart on this issue of money. And let me just start with a few scriptures. I mean, I'm not going to go through all 2,000, but let's just jump into a few. For example, Proverbs uh, 23, 4. It says, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. And you know, this scripture is is highlighting that that God recognizes that all all of us, unless we're living with some kind of a trust fund, you know, we have a need to get money. And God is concerned for what happens to us in the process of getting the money we need. He cares about that aspect of us. And, and a lot of us know what it's like when, when our soul can get in knots inside because we are in pursuit of how can we get more and we need more. And, and God cares about that aspect of, of our relationship to money. Psalm 62, verse 10. I want you to read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. Don't make your living by extortion or put your hope in stealing. And if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. It's interesting, it, it's, to me, it's almost like, wait, did, did that need to even be said? Don't put your hope in stealing? But, but, but you know what? Yes, it needs to be said. And, and maybe in this period of history in our country, most of us aren't putting our hope in stealing as a, a way to get money. But, you know, around the world, there are all kinds of countries where things aren't quite like they are for us, and there is a lot of stealing and extortion that goes on, and bribery, and graft, and whatnot. And God is saying, but that's not my way. I want you to get money, earn money in ways that are above reproach, that don't do harm to other people. God cares about how we get our money. That's part of the revelation. Proverbs 21, verse 20. I want you to read this one nice and strong. Ready, go. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Read this one one more time. Ready? Say it. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. This is an important one because, listen, sometimes around church we get this idea that God is stingy and he only wants you to have the bare minimum that you would need. But that is false. The revelation in God's word is a picture of of a human being who's thriving, the wealth The wise have wealth. Not the wise have the bare minimum because if they had any more than that, they must be greedy. No. Did you read it? The wise what? Have wealth and luxury. This is God revealing that that he desires to see his sons and daughters flourishing. And it includes this aspect of of what happens with money. It is part of the picture. And uh, in Hebrews 13.5 though, and as much as he desires to see us have wealth when it comes with wisdom, this one's important. Don't love money. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. But some of us know exactly what it's like when money fails us, because it does sometimes, doesn't it? We put all our eggs in this one basket and this business and this guy's, you know, you know magic money machine, and we were going to invest in it, and boom, it's gone, right? And so God has said, yeah, don't do that. I don't want your affections to be tied up with your money. Let your affection be given to 
God. Let your affection and your adoration be given to the one and only one who says, I will never fail you, and I will not abandon you. That's the living God. Somebody say, he's worthy. He's worthy of our affections. Proverbs 13, 22. Read this one out loud. Ready? Go. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. You know what? This, this scripture, I love it because it is God, again, painting a picture of what he has in mind with regards to his kids, you and me, and money. And in a sense, what's being revealed here is that God, the picture he has in mind is that you and I would do so well that we'd even be able to store up and leave something not only for our kids, but even for our kids' kids. Like, I'm grateful that that's the picture God has in mind when it comes to my life, your life, and money. Aren't you grateful for that? That God looks at you and I as a good dad would look at his kids with a desire to see us flourish. And we will to the extent that we embrace the principle and the, and, and the wisdom of God's word regarding money. So today we're going to spend a little bit of time in uh, Matthew chapter 25. So I want you to open up your Bible or your Bible app and turn to Matthew 25. And we're going to take some time to dive into that because it does deal in, in some regards with, with money. But I want us to just think together about what money actually is. What is it? What is money? Why does it matter? Money is, on one hand, you could say to yourself, you know what, money is pretty much just, you know, a piece of paper, right? You could say that. It's kind of like when someone says, oh, what's a college degree? That's just a piece of paper, that's all it is. Unless you're the person who got that college degree. And then you know, it's not just a piece of paper. It represents hours of your life. It represents time and energy and effort and exerting yourself. It represents value. And that's what money is. It's a representation of value, as in a measure, a means, a motivator. That's what money is. It's a measure, first of all. Money is a measure. It's a measure of your energy and your effort. Think about it like this. For many of us, we did a job where we showed up at 8 in the morning. We stayed till 5 or 6 at night, and we did that every day. And after two weeks, you know what we were expecting? We were expecting a? Yeah, we were expecting it. Because most of us didn't show up and do that out of just the goodness of our hearts, you know? We recognize our time is worth something, our effort is worth something, our energy is worth something. And unless we were working for the federal government this week, we really were expecting paycheck. Because it, it's, a, it's a measure. Money is a measure. It, it's a measure of our energy, our effort, and what we put into something. And money is a means, isn't it? Money is a means. It's a tool. It's a means. It's a means to providing the food and shelter and clothing that you want for your own life and for those you love. And it's a means. It's an important means to acquiring things that God allows you to have as a, a, a sense of security and, and something to store up. It is also a motivator. And a lot of us don't want to maybe admit this, but money is a motivator. We are motivated by what money is because it allows us to get what we're hoping to get. And, and maybe we, we want what we want because we want to do something good with it, or maybe we just want it for ourselves, but money is a motivator, and it matters. And I, for one, am crying out to say, God, would you help me in my life with this whole issue of money. Would anyone be willing to raise your hand and say, me too, I'd like God to help me with this thing called money, right? I think it would be wise. 
And as we read through his word, we find so much wisdom about money because it does matter. And what we do with it matters. And just from the verses that I shared with you at the beginning, you can see that there's lots of different aspects of, of dealing with our money. But this is the idea uh, in, a, in a big picture kind of way. Manage your money like it matters to God. I mean, that's the, the idea of this message. And you could write it down in a personal way, as a declaration. I manage my money like it matters to God. And I want you to write it down. And maybe for some of us, we've been you know, doing life with God for some time. And so this is true about us. We, we think about the resources we have, and we can make this statement, and it's truthful. I do. I manage my money like it matters to God, and he's blessing me. He's providing even more. But for others of us, it might be that this is, you know, kind of yet out there a little bit. But let it be then a, a target on the wall. Like, shoot for this, to manage your money like it matters to God, because it does. It really does. So, uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 25, and as you're turning there, or if you're there already, Jesus is about to be crucified and die, be buried and then raised from the dead. And, and what happens in this last section of Matthew is that Jesus is downloading uh, some, some last moment teachings that he wants to make sure that his disciples have in mind. And all of these teachings are about the ways of God and how God interacts with people and what God is looking at and expecting from people. And so we get to Matthew 25 and it is a... A parable where Jesus is going to use money as the object of it. So it's Jesus telling a story that has a meaning. Matthew 25, verse 14. Here it is. Jesus talking. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money. Everyone say his money. He entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He left then on his trip, and the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Oh, Master, I knew you're a harsh man, harvesting crops where you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant. Give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those 
who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw that useless servant out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a pretty harsh ending. But I do think that the parable is worth some attention, you know. This is Jesus giving us insight into the ways of God with people. Into the kingdom of God experience. And at the deepest level, this parable isn't even about money. Money is used as the object lesson, but it's about something even deeper than that. It's about really all of life. It's about the ways of God regarding people and that God is looking at you and I as to whether we can accept this reality, that everything we have has come from God and that he's entrusted it to us and he looks to us to see whether we would use it well. I mean, whatever it is. It could be your time, it could be your energy, it could be your talents, it could be your opportunities, it could be your relationships. But listen, you could take the main idea that I gave you for this message, you know, I, I manage my money uh, like it matters to God. And you could take out money and you could put in, I manage my relationships like it matters to God. I manage my time like it matters to God. I manage my influence like it matters to God. I manage my potential like it matters to God. I manage my life like it matters to God. I mean, that's big picture, the idea that, that Jesus really wants you and I to get, to not go on autopilot, to not just be content with default mode, where we have a fatalistic kind of, eh, whatever happens. That's the, the guy that buried the treasure. We are meant to be like the first two who take whatever God has given us in every aspect and we make something of it. We, we take the, the ideas that he's given us and we make something of them. We take the relationships that he's given us, we value them, we make the most of them. But we also, we don't skip past the object lesson that Jesus gave us on the face value of it, the money side of things. I'm all for looking at the deeper level, but I'm also all for taking it at face value as well, because I think we need to. Listen, Jesus gave this parable for so many layers of, of reason, but one of them is at the face value. And if you go back to verse 14, just take a look at this with me one more time. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and read the rest of the verse out loud with me. Ready, go. And entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Big picture, here's the reality. All the money that you have, whether it's a whole lot or a little, it's been entrusted to you by God. And I think that's lesson number one for all of us to get into our minds. That whatever we have, however much we have, the money that we have, it's been entrusted to us by God. And we're saying, yeah, but hold on, hold on. I started a business. I'm the one who pulled those three extra shifts. I'm the one who closed that deal. I'm the one who went after that client. And, and, and listen, God is the one who threw it all behind the scenes has given you the strength to stand on your feet and do that job. God is the one who gave you the, the synapses in your brain that fired off in just the right way so you could have that idea. God is the one who gave you the ability to, to uh, deal with people well so that you could have those clients to begin with. God is the one ultimately through it all who is providing for you the money that you have. 
And, and the fundamental proposition for us is to decide whether we can accept that reality or not. And I'm telling you, the best thing you could ever do is to start right there by going, yep, everything I have, all of the money, it came from God. He has provided it. That mindset is the mindset of a person who understands reality, who understands ultimate reality. God's the source of everything, including the money. That's the right mindset. Because if it's just mine, it's like, ah, I'll do whatever I want with it, it's mine. But if I understand this is God's and he's entrusted it to me, that's a different mindset. It's a mindset in which I know I'm going to give an account. I'm, I'm going to answer for what I've done with it. And I might end up making better choices with it. And, and this is what I believe God is calling us to. Now verse 15 though, this is important too because it says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Everyone say their abilities. It's just true. I mean, we might want to argue with, ah, it's not fair. How come they get more than me? I don't know. From God's wisdom, he sees layers that we don't even have an awareness of. And, and he gave to each according to their abilities. And we have different abilities, don't we? we I mean, even in, in a bigger picture way, we understand that we have different abilities. Like, you have the science ability, and you have the art ability, and you have the build stuff ability, and she has the, you know, create stuff ability. So, so we all have different abilities, you know? But it even matters with regards to money proper, right? Different abilities. When you think about it in the big picture, there's basically four things you can do with money. Four categories for ability with money. The first is earn, and the second is spend, and the third is save, and the, third is, the fourth is give. The, these are, broadly speaking, the four categories of ability with money. Earn, spend, save, give. You earn it, and you, know, you earn it through you know, the shifts and the hourly wages, or you earn it through the profits that you take at the end of the year from your business, or you earn it through uh, return on investment, or maybe you get it as a gift or an inheritance, but that's one category. You earn it. Second is your spending, and you could spend it on needs, you could spend it on wants, you could spend it frugally, spend it wastefully, but you spend it. And the fourth, third category, sorry, is to save it. And you might save it in a little plastic piggy bank, or you might save it in, you know, bonds and stocks, but you, you save it. And then you give it. And you can give it to people that you know. You can give it to charities. You can give it uh, to God and worship. But, but these are the categories, broadly speaking, of the abilities, different abilities with money. Different abilities. I know somebody right now is going, that's true, you know. Because the spend one, I definitely have that ability. <laughs> it's a superpower for me, you know. <laughs> have you seen my orders history on Amazon? Like, <laughs> they don't even ask me to click buy it now. It just shows up at my doorstep. They just know what I want, you know. Some of you, you'll have the spend ability so good that if you go into a store and you leave without buying anything and your hands are empty, you're like, act natural. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, like, you have that ability. But it, it's important that we understand these four categories and that we evaluate our own ability 
in these four categories? What's going on with you in these four categories? It matters. It really does matter. And some of the things that we hope for in life have everything to do with what's going on in these categories. A couple uh, months ago, my son and I were talking in the kitchen one night, and he was telling me about this car that he thought was awesome. It's a, a Mercedes G-Wagon, and um, he was describing it to me. He's talking about how, it, you know, how many horsepower it has, how much it can tow, and, and, he, and then he told me that it costs $150,000. I'm like, what? for a Mercedes Jeep, you know, so anyway, he thought that car was awesome, and I had never really noticed that car before, but a couple days later, I went to the gym in the morning, and right there in the parking lot at the gym, I saw one of those particular cars, it's the the Mercedes G-Wagon, I thought, oh, well, it does look kind of nice, kind of nice wheels and good chrome finish and nice tinted windows that's pretty awesome and I was looking at the car I decided to take a picture so I could you know show my son and say look I saw one of those g-wagons you were talking about and I was walking around taking a picture of it and I was thinking to myself man it must be nice to have a car like that does anyone else ever have that wicked thought you're like must be nice all of a sudden someone has something good and you're like I don't know but uh I'm looking I'm going must be nice and I'm wondering to myself like how in the world does a guy get enough money to have a car like that? I mean, how in the world? I'm walking around the back of the car. How does a guy get enough money to have that car? It was like he was reading my mind. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. I did take that picture. That's not photoshopped. <laughs> I loved it, though. I loved it. Because that was the guy going, I know you're wondering. <laughs> but... This is the way. Like, it's about those four categories, isn't it? We, we got to understand these. And think about them like gauges, like gauges on a dashboard. And if you got a dashboard in your car, you know that sometimes a red light comes on, and you got to pay attention to it because it indicates there's a problem. And, and, and we understand that, generally speaking, it makes sense to pay attention to the gauges. Would you pay attention to the gauges regarding money in your life? And, and ask yourself, in each one of these four gauges, is it in the green or is it red? Is it flashing green like, yeah, things are going well in this area? Or is it flashing red like, yeah, that's a problem here? Because all of them matter, all of them. And, and I would ask you to maybe even have a conversation if you're married with your spouse together about, hey, let's talk about those four gauges and how we're doing with each one of them. Because they each are part of God's idea of what happens uh, with regards to money, and I'm hoping to see thriving happen in more and more of our lives. You know, here's the deal. With these four gauges, what we actually have to do is break it down into detail. And one of the ways we talk about breaking it down into detail is the big, bad, dirty B word. I'm talking about budgets. That's right. <laughs> it's not a favorite word. And, and for a long time, I said to myself, yeah, yeah, we, we've got budgets. We've got budgets. We do. We've got budgets, you know. But really, we actually didn't until just a few years ago in my household. It's embarrassing almost to admit it, but we just didn't. We kind of had, we had what we called budgets, but it was more like just a list of the, the, the most important bills and, and we had to pay those or else we'd get thrown in jail or whatever, you know. So, and then, but basically what we just did is we just kind of operated by the pile technique. Do you know what that technique is? Very ancient, wonderful technique, right? It's basically like hey, at the beginning of the money, a month, there's a pile. 
And then we just spend the money all month long until about three quarters of the way through the month. The pile's gone. And then it's like, oh, oh, stop. Don't, 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 don't buy anything. Don't spend anything. Got, wait, six more days, five more days, three more days. You know, like anybody else with me. Like, I know you don't want to admit it, but some of us, that, that's right where we are. I, I was there till just not too long ago. And what we needed was we needed a tool that could help us really deal with those gauges in an appropriate way. And um, through, you know, Dave Ramsey, financial peace and all that, we discovered this tool called Every Dollar. And, uh, and it's this application, it's an app that you can put on your phone uh, or it's on your computer. And it's an app that allows you to create a, a real, not just budget, but a spending plan. Starting with your income and then detailing where is every dollar going to go. And then it links up to your bank accounts so that real time you can see exactly what you're spending on. And then you, you drag it across and reconcile. It's easy. And, uh, and it's helped us to keep things in order. And it's important because it represents in, in so many ways those four gauges. And it represents what's going on with our hearts even. Now to, to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm using well what you've given and it's funny, my son was here last night and heard the message and he was like, Dad, why are you going on and on about this every dollar thing? Are you like sponsored by them or something? I'm like, no, I'm not trying to earn anything extra on that. It's just a tool that I felt like is really helpful and I wanted to share that with somebody and I would encourage you to download it. Get the free version if you want. Get the pay more for so they can connect more. But, but use something to get that, those gauges in order. You know, for Ann and I, this has been important because one of the things we value is the giving side of the equation. And so, uh, for example, with All for the One, you know, we wanted to make a commitment, but if we didn't have something that would help us make good on that commitment, a, a system, a tool, an approach, we wouldn't be able to. You know, it would just be like, ah, oh, well, you know what, the pile's gone again, and we'll just have to try again next month. And then we wouldn't have been able to do what we said we'd do. But using something like this helps us to stay on track with our goals for this aspect of our life that is important even for our spiritual experience of God's goodness. You know, so, by the way, all for the one, if you are new with us, it, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. Back in the fall, I shared a, a vision with our church that, hey, over the next 10 years, I want to ask God to give us the grace to keep on helping lots of people come to know Jesus. But that's going to mean we're going to need some more space around here. And so I brought a challenge, and many of you are part of this, that we would say, God, we believe that you want that one that doesn't know you right now to be able to find a home here. And we're willing to give to see that there's uh, space for those ones over the long haul. And so now we're in the, the part of that journey where we're making good on that commitment. And by the way, I just want to say to those of you who made a commitment and you've already started, uh, thank you. Well done. Good job. And if you haven't started yet, it's not too late. Begin now. Get online and begin to make your first uh, contribution towards that. Um, it's an important part of what we're doing together. You know, a couple days ago, I got a Facebook message from uh, one sister in our church who you know, wanted to just address all for the one and what, you know, God had been doing in their life regarding all for the one. And she shared this message. And I thought, man, I want to share that with everybody. It's not a polished video. It's just a kind of a selfie video on the beach or whatever, but it's, it just moved me. And I wanted to share this testimony with you. I want you to check this out. Hi, I just wanted to give you a quick all for the one testimony. Um, <clears throat> Patrick and I have been faithful givers for a long time. I was raised 
about with tithing as a part of our family culture, which I am so grateful to my parents for. Um, but God called us to put down a really big number for all for the one. And I was like, no way. I feel like that's a promise that we're not going to be able to keep. But he said, you don't have to keep that promise. I'm going to keep that promise. <clears throat> so I'm like, you know, we prayed about it and we're like, okay, Lord, that number sounds scary. <laughs> it looks scary, but we're going to write it down anyway. And, um, not more than, I don't know, two weeks later, he presented an opportunity for us to get involved with a project that is going to make it possible for that number to be fulfilled. Like in a couple months instead of a couple years. So here we are in Vietnam <laughs> um, with this company and um, God is just like amazing and faithful and we just can't wait to dream with him on his next project to whatever it is that he wants. We're like, okay, Lord, um, these are your resources and we are super excited to see what he's gonna call us to do next because it's all about furthering his kingdom Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for pushing us. Thank you for dare, daring us to trust him. Um, it's just, I'm so emotional, not because of our, the way it's gonna change our life, but in the way that, the way that it's gonna allow us to um, impact others for him. So we love you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, be blessed by this campaign and to bless others. <laughs> I love that. You know what I love? I love what Corey said at the end. She was just going, you know, that God, these are God's resources. Just that mindset, you know, to recognize what we're talking about today. And it's the heart of a family that's saying, we're going to manage our money like it matters to God. And, and that value is everything. And, and I want to just make sure we uh, finish well with Matthew 25. And go to verse, uh, Matthew 25, verse uh, 28. Because this is, you know, this is important. So G Jesus is telling a story to make a point, and he's talking about the master and trusting the resources, and, and one got five, one got two, one got one. And the one that got five and two, those, they, they multiplied, they made something happen, they used it well, but the, the, the third one didn't. And then in verse 28, it says, he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. I'm grateful for that element of this parable that Jesus told that reveals part of the heart of God, the ways of God. To look and to see, ah, this one is using well what I've given. Here's more essentially that that is the revelation of this part of the scripture. And, and I'm, I'm taking a place in my life where I say, God, I, I want to use well what you've entrusted to me. And, and I want to pray for every one of us that we would be able to do that, to use well what he's entrusted to us. And in the end, uh, it, it is to God's glory that we'd be able to do it. But we get to enjoy his blessing as we do. If you're here today and you'd say, man, I really need some help with this whole situation regarding money, 
Uh, in March, we're starting a new FPU class. I want to just put a website up for you that uh, if you want some resources, go to this uh, website. It's just something we've put together that is a page full of resources regarding budgeting and, and uh, financial management, all that stuff. And in particular, there's a link there that you can sign up for FPU starting in March. And uh, what that means is that you have a month and a half that you can keep on just spending however you want to. <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. But it's, it's starting in March. And um, if you need some help in this aspect of your life, take 10 weeks, do that class. It's going to help you to finally get your arms around what God's heart really is for you to thrive. And there's some other resources there if, if you need them. But I want to pray that each one of us would experience God's goodness in this aspect of our, of our money. It matters. It matters to us. It matters to God for us because he cares about us. So as I am wrapping up, let me just make sure that I, I end with this. This whole message has been about you know, managing our money like it matters to God. But what matters even more than that is that we understand how loved we are. And so I want to share this scripture just in closing. In 1 John 4, 9, it says this. It says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Pause on this. God wanted you and I to make no mistake about how loved we are. God wanted to make sure that you and I would never have to look far for evidence of how loved we are. He said, you want to know how loved you are? I'm sending my one and only son. That's how loved you are. Every single one of us, this applies to you. Through Jesus, you get all of God's love. You're so loved. I want you to just try saying something right now. Just say, I'm so loved. Just say it. I'm so loved. One more time. Just say it. I'm so loved. And maybe that would be the most important thing you could hear today. You're so loved. So loved by God. Verse 10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And even though the rest, the rest of this message today has mostly been about you know, dealing with money in a, in, a, in a right way and all that, I want to make sure that you know that is secondary. The primary thing today, the most important thing would be to know how loved you are by God and to receive his love. Through Jesus. And maybe for some of us, we came in today, and the truth is that in the background, what we've been carrying around is a bunch of shame and guilt because of sin. And we've been carrying it around, and it's breaking our back. And all the while, God is saying, but do you know how loved you are? Because I've sent my one and only son to take away your sins. Would you give them to me now? So, so for somebody today, the best thing you could do would be to receive Jesus as your Savior. To once and for all ask Jesus to take away your sins, to forgive you, to save you, to start following Jesus. So let's take a couple of minutes, let's pray together. Let's pray over the issue of money, but let's also pray over the most important thing, the gift of salvation that God has for every one of us. Pray with me. God, I pray right now that you would move by your spirit to bring hope and freedom with regard to money. For someone, you came in today and this whole thing about money, it just feels like a chain around your neck. When you think about money, you think, you know, you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel concerned. And I want to pray for you right now that God would
break you free from that bondage, from the anxiety, the concern, and the worry, and the fear over money. So just take a deep breath right where you're sitting. He cares about you so deeply. Your God is a good father, and he cares about you. He has everything that pertains to you in mind. Everything, including all your needs. Just take another deep breath. Just breathe in the goodness and the grace of God for a minute. And in God's presence, just affirm your faith. I believe you, God, and I'm going to make it. (laughs) With this whole thing about money and all of that, God, I believe you're going to carry me through it. And now get a little bit specific while we're praying. I mean, those four categories, earn, spend, save, give. Maybe for some of us, what we need to do is just earnestly begin to say, God, would you help me with that first part, the earning part? It's okay to ask him, God, would you help me to earn more? Maybe for somebody, this is the the prayer that God is waiting to hear from you so that he can respond and show some of his faithfulness to you. Maybe would you just cry out right now, God, would you help me with that to earn more? And it's not like money is going to just fall out of the sky, but God might begin to give you a new idea for how to do better with the business you've got. God might give you extra energy and strength to to do something at work that the boss takes notice of and you get the promotion. It just may be that God gives you favor for a new opportunity for work. But would you just pray right now with faith to say, God, would you help me with the earning part of the money situation. Ask him right now. Maybe all together so nobody feels ashamed. We could just say, God, would you help me? Just say it together. God, would you help me? And for some of you, the stakes are so high because it's a multi-million dollar business, but the the goodness that can come when you get it better and right, man, it's good. God, would you help me? This is all of us, no matter whether we're hurting or doing great. God, would you help me? Now for others of us, Maybe it's the spend thing, because truth is, man, it got out of control. We don't even, it's like, how did that happen? And now we're staring at this mountain of debt, wondering what to do. And maybe you need to cry out to God with regard to that part of things. God, would you help me? I got a mountain of debt, I got a mountain of bills. But don't you know, Jesus said that with faith, you can move mountains. Believe God for it now. Maybe what he's going to begin to do is release into your spirit an increase of the fruit of the spirit, of self-control. Victory. I just declare that in Jesus' name for you. Victory over the spend aspect of things. In Jesus' name, you'll thrive. You'll have all you'll need. You'll even be able to save. You'll even be able to give. I declare that prophetically over you. Okay, we've prayed about the money, but now... God, I pray that you do a spiritual awakening for somebody. If you're here today and you've never really given your life to Jesus, that's the most important thing you could ever do. Give your life to Jesus. Ask Jesus to forgive you, to save you, to be the Lord of your life. He will guide you and take you on a journey throughout this life on into eternity, all the way into heaven. (laughs) You want that. It's his gift. 
Would you receive it today? If you're here and you would say, I need that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. Right now, if that's you, would you just raise your hand as a way of acknowledging, I need to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. Thank you. That's good. Who else? Just make it known. Just lift your hand. Let it be known. I want to give my life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive me and save me. Just raise your hand and make it known. I want to start following Jesus. A couple of you I've just connected with, I want you to pray right now. And you say, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive my sin? Just say that to him. Jesus, would you forgive my sin? I believe in you, Jesus. You are my Lord and you are my Savior from this moment on. I'm yours. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people together we say, amen.